Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 377. Today is June 29th. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, we continue into the very turbulent year of 2022. That's been the personality of the stock market, and nothing has changed. From day to day, we continue to see extreme volatility, and the media loves that because one day they'll come out and say, this was the worst day since then. The next day they'll come out and say it's the best day since before that. I continue to see the fundamental numbers as no worse than they normally ever are. You got to remember there's always the chance and the probability of something bad going on with the economy and things just shift from one sector to another. Right now it's bad times for technology stocks. This is because a lot of the excess was pulled forward from the previous couple years of the pandemic. But you know what? It's a great time right now for things like energy stocks. Because there's a war going on in Ukraine, it's also a very good time for military weaponry type stocks. So yes, some sectors are down, other sectors are up. Overall right now, the S&P 500 is down in what we would consider bear market territory, down about 20% from its highs that we hit, uh, I guess, back in early January. That's troubling to a lot of people. If you look at some of the consumer sentiment surveys, they're going back and they're the most negative that they've ever been in history. This is going all the way back to when records were kept in the 1950s. I find all this very amusing. Because if you go back with any level of historic economics, you will know that the times that we are in right now are not anywhere near the worst things that have happened over the last 60 years or so. People are simply hypersensitive because of the media and because we have a 24-hour news cycle and nonstop social media. It magnifies the neuroticism. And I'm not just talking from you know, my personal experience. Yeah, you know what? My life is great. My economic condition is great. But that's not what's driving my enthusiasm. When I look down at the data in the economy and I look at everything from personal savings rates to average incomes to levels of default rates, late payments on credit cards, and the percentage of disposable income that people have to spend on food or energy or housing, when I look at all those statistics, and especially when I look at corporate profits, I see the times that we're living in right now, a snapshot of today, as being quite favorable in historic perspectives. Now, are they as good today as they were four months ago? No. Does that indicate a declining economic condition? Well, yes, but declining to what level? If you want to buy into all the pessimism, then you can find reason for concern. So why is the stock market so volatile? Why is the S&P 500 in bear market territory, you know, down 20%? Well, part of the reason is we've come through a great deal of excess that had to get burned off from the pandemic. And while some of that still needs to come out, a great deal of the pressure has been lifted. Something in the order of over $9 trillion has come out of the United States stock market. On a global basis, if you look at crypto, you're looking at over $2 trillion have come out of that market. This, as all market corrections are, is healthy. It's taking the excess in the extremes out of the markets. It's allowing the good companies and the leadership within the economy 
to attract more capital to grow in the future. And then all those excesses, all that malinvestment, that gets wiped out, it gets taken off the books, and the new companies emerge stronger and better than ever. I know that's not comforting in the short term, but if you're a long-term investor, and if you then take your emotion out of it and don't simply invest in companies you like or in companies that you think that are aligned with things you believe in, but instead, if you go out and you invest in companies that are making money now and looking to be profitable in the future, and in fact, not only profitable, but have increasing growth in their proposed business plans, then this is about one of the best times to invest that you've had in the last probably six or seven years. This is an opportunity. It's not a catastrophe. What we're specifically seeing in the stock market right now, and I'm going to talk today just looking at the S&P 500 because it's easiest to focus on that index. We're seeing the classic struggle between fear and greed, and you can see that fear and greed cycle played out if you bring up a stock chart. Look at the S&P 500 on a day-to-day basis. That's driven by human emotion and fear and greed. Now, over the long term, when we talk about that three to five years or a longer time horizon, fundamentals play out and a stock price over time is very much determined by the profitability of that company. But day to day and week to week, profitability doesn't matter and it's all about human emotion, fear and greed. Right now, we're seeing the evidence of that being played out with what's called retracement and resistance levels. The retracement is derived from the fact that the market was at a higher level, it's now come down, and it's starting to try and go back up. It's trying to retrace where it had been previously. Now, for now, it looks like perhaps a bottom was put in on June 16th. And any time a bottom is put in, by definition, that means that the price was higher at an earlier point. And what characteristically happens is that oftentimes the price not only goes up, but it goes up in a very symmetrical manner to the way it came down. Normally it comes down faster, more abruptly, so it won't go up as quickly, but it will go up in a similar fashion, somewhat symmetrically, and we call that retracement. It's basically walking back its old footprints and climbing back to those higher prices. But along the way, as it retraces those old price levels, certain areas are harder to overcome than others. Think of it as an obstacle course. You know, you're running along an obstacle course, and in between barriers, you can proceed very quickly. But then you come to some type of a barrier that you've got to climb over or cross under, and you have to take time. You have to spend time there and exert energy to get past that obstacle. Those are the same obstacles that the price of a stock encounters as it tries to go back and retrace that old path forward. And at those levels where it hits resistance, they're obviously called resistance levels. Those generally occur because those were areas at previous points that tended to be significant to investors. Either that was a point when a lot of investors piled into the market Oftentimes, it's a rounded out number because that's an easy number for the media to get into their narrative and talk about time after time. So, you know, big whole numbers like 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, oftentimes those have that psychological factor. And so that causes a lot of people to buy into the market when we get to those levels. 
So when the price was going up, a lot of people got attracted in at that point. The important thing to remember is that these resistance levels do all tend to be when people have bought in, right? When a majority of people have bought in. And that's why not only looking at the price is important, but also looking at the volume that corresponds to when people either bought or sold stocks. That's why you'll hear me talk a lot about moving averages. I can look at moving averages in terms of both pricing and volumes, and that smooths out the day-to-day up and downward movement of the stock market and gives you a more gradual perspective of what's happening. But those averages are simply nothing more than looking at the concentration of when people are buying or when they're selling. And so again, these resistance levels are often very much based around common moving averages, 50-day moving average, 200-day moving average, 100-day moving average. Some people use 150-day moving average. I oftentimes, for the short term, use a very fast-acting exponential moving average. You'll hear other people talk about Fibonacci numbers, Elliott Wave. Uh, I think a lot of that gets into pure nonsense and numerology because you can't predict the future with an algorithm. But regardless of what method you're looking at, and even if you're doing nothing more simply than looking at moving averages and looking at a stock chart and simply drawing horizontal lines across the chart to see the movement and the formation of how those prices gradually moved forward in the past, if you draw horizontal lines at those key locations, you can get some idea of where the resistance levels are going to be as the price retraces its way back up. And again, those resistance levels are primarily where people had bought in. The reason that's important is that's the greed part of the cycle. Remember, it's all about fear and greed over the short term. Whenever people get greedy, they pile into the market. They think they're going to get rich quick. They think they're smarter than everybody else. They think they're acting on unique information that no one else has. They think their position is going to go to the moon. And so they all pile in at the same time, and the prices rapidly move up. And then during the fear cycle, when everybody bails out, the prices come crashing down. And then as it retraces and goes back up, when it gets back to those previous greed levels, you have people saying that if the price only gets back to X, I'm going to sell and get out. That's what I call the get back sellers. Kind of reminiscent of the old uh, Paul McCartney Beatles tune, you know, Get Back. I won't sing a rendition of that for you. I'll spare you the pain. But, but if you're a boomer, you probably know Get Back. And again, that's what I always think about as we get to these resistance levels because people are saying in their mind, if the price ever gets back to a certain level, they're going to sell. And so it's those Get Back sellers at each of these resistance levels that when the price gets to that level, they sell That puts some fear back into the cycle, and then the price will start to gradually move up again, get through that level, and go on to the next one. I bring all this up, and it's very important right now, because the S&P 500 is hitting that first get-back-selling resistance level right now at about 38.50 or 39.50 on the S&P 500. So if you look at that bottom that was put in on June 16th, and you look at where the S&P 500 has been this week. You can see it trying to break through that resistance level. And this is really that first big one that we've had. Now, will we break out above 39.50 and go on to the next level? 
I don't know. We're going to be getting information in the coming days and weeks about where second quarter profits are. That's definitely going to be a fundamental determining factor. We're getting more information about how inflation pressures may be waning, and this is especially on material items outside of food and energy. Food and energy is still drastically being affected by the situation in Ukraine. But as I've been pointing out in my blog over at investablewealth.com, we're well off the highs on copper, lumber, any of the materials have come way off their previous highs. That to me is an indication not of inflation, but of deflation. And so again, that's another part of fundamental news that people will be digesting and could possibly move the market forward once we get past these levels of resistance. And if we do break through this 38.50, 39.50 range, well, what's the next one? Well, I think the next level is going to be a very significant and strong level of resistance that it'll be hard for the market to penetrate. And that's where you have a convergence of about three things. You have a horizontal level there. You have the round psychological number of 4,000. And you also have the 50-day moving average right around that 4,000 level. So you combine all that together and getting through, say, 4,000 or 4,150 on the S&P 500 will be a strong level of resistance. There's a great deal of get back sellers that are going to sell out as soon as the market hits that 4,000 level. So I do think we'll get some pullback there. Now, does that mean that things are going to fall apart and we're going back down to test those levels of, you know, 3750 or whatever it was back on June 16th? Well, perhaps. But again, not just worrying about the short-term fear and greed, but looking at the overall fundamentals. If second quarter earnings come in strong, if it looks like inflation in these key areas of commodities and materials, if it looks like they're coming down, you know, all these factors, they play into it more than just the fear and greed cycle. So if we do get some good forward guidance from corporations on profitability as we get into mid-July, then it is possible that we do break through all that resistance at that 4,000 level. And then again, there's there's another level, probably up around, oh, 42.50. Again, that's a nice horizontal level as well as a 100-day moving average. And then from there on up, from a symmetrical standpoint, it gets really tight. And you can see, you know, 43.75, 44.50, At each of those levels, we're going to get a great deal of get-back seller resistance. I'll be watching those numbers closely, and more importantly, well, I'll not only be watching the price, but I'll be watching the volume, and I'm going to use those levels to determine how and when I adjust my portfolio to make my next purchases, depending how successfully and with what strength level that the greed overtakes fear and we start breaking through those resistance levels, it'll determine how quickly I react. And on the other hand, if we don't get through those resistance levels and we break back down, I'll be doing the exact opposite and I'll be analyzing support levels rather than resistance levels. Now, I've only been talking about the S&P 500. The exact same type analysis and thought process applies to any of the indices. In fact, it applies to anything you can track on a chart. Having said that, I'd also encourage you to look at the small and the mid-cap stocks. They have been performing better, as we've continued to see over this past year. The mid-cap and small caps, especially the small caps, they've been hardest hit since last November. They are more likely to have already put in their bottom, and so consequently, 
you may see them get through their old resistance levels faster than the S&P 500. So it's important not only to look at one index, but to compare it to others. That helps you get a more well-rounded gauge of what's totally going on in the market. But I do expect the mid caps and small caps to outperform. And also because, as I've talked about in the past, if a lot of the restraints are coming from what's happening with global trade and currency fluctuations and what's happening with the war in Ukraine, then those small and mid cap stocks tend to be more U.S. centric and will be less affected by those geopolitical pressures. Well, hey, as always, just my thoughts. This is what I look at when I'm managing my own portfolio. Come on back for future episodes. We'll see how it all works out. Until then, as always, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best returns.